3: Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of Black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of Black
2: women and girls
3: in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca.
2: Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control... I discovered creative control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements. And uh, I stumbled across this this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times. And it went really well and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting. And I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in, or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So so go ahead, and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So yay Vish, yay Creative Control.
3: To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, Please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Kevin Morby is a gifted songwriter, musician, producer, and singer based in Kansas City, Missouri. Morby has released eight albums to date, including his latest effort, which is a companion piece to his acclaimed 2022 record, This is a Photograph. Entitled More Photographs, a continuum, this lovely album was released by Dead Oceans on May 26, 2023, and prompted Kevin to return to this show for a good talk about these two interconnected works, how he had something of a breakthrough year in 2022, and how much the song This is a Photograph continues to resonate with people, writing about Tennessee figures like Chris Bell from Big Star, the collapse of the Memphis Grizzlies, and the troubling behavior of their star, John Morant. Obsessing a bit about death, youth, and aging, the everlasting importance of physical photographs, the decline of social media, concepts, and Nick Cave, upcoming tour dates, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. This is a donor-driven podcast, so thank you so much for your donations. to Keep it going. Again, you can learn more about how to do so at patreon.com slash creative control. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with the brick and mortar locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly people who work there who will happily help you with whatever you need. Hey, say you're looking for uh, the this is a photograph album or the more photographs a continuum album by Kevin Morby. I don't know about the latter because it might just be digital for now. I think it's coming out later, but nevertheless, if you want to order any Kevin Morby records, go to blackbird.ca, type in what you're looking for, and if they if they're able to ship it to you to your house, they'll do that. And if not, they'll keep it on hold for you at the store. It's just that simple. Learn more at Blackbird.ca. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode seven hundred and seventy-nine of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Kevin Morby with your host me, Vishkana. Yes
0: I was said the mother. To the sun, I was younger than you now. Can someone tell me how it happened? And why did it happen to me?
3: And it's gonna happen to you. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Good Vish, how are you? Great to see you again. It's great to see you. It feels like I just saw you like
1: a year and a bit ago. A year and a bit ago. So much has happened, but um, also feels like yesterday.
3: Yeah, I was. Uh, I decided. Rarely, I don't often revisit old conversations, but I decided to revisit the last one just a little bit because I thought it was germane because you're doing something very interesting that we're going to talk about today. You're doing. I was trying to figure out how to explain this to my wife. It, sometimes people will make a record and they'll do a session and then they'll put out a companion piece. This is the latter, but it's not like leftovers from the last session. I don't think it's it's a continuation. It's a sorry, am I capturing this in some way? In is some way.
1: It yeah, it's meant to be vague. It's meant to be a sort of head scratcher. so I'm I'm glad that it needed <laughs> some explain. Um, yeah, it's okay. meant to be it's meant to be vague.
3: Yeah, so all I was getting at and we'll get into that is like we were talking about me maybe going to Tulsa, Oklahoma. right to go to the Bob Dylan center, which I ended up doing. Right. And at the time you didn't know I was going to do it. And you were offering me a place to stay. It was all very nice <laughs> on the way to can't like I, on my, if I, you were like, you should drive. Yeah. I, I can't, right. I got a job. I can't drive, but it ended up taking me just as long because of the flights and the delays. Anyway, it was just nice to revisit that. Cause we had a really lovely chat about this Is a photograph, which is still a family favorite album, uh, in, in my house. Uh, oh, and, uh, so this, I want to talk about this, but as I often do, I want to ask you where in the world you are. This is a familiar scene to me on the screen. Where in the world are you today, Kevin?
1: I'm in Kansas City. I'm back. I'm in my studio house in uh, Kansas City. It's on a Kansas suburb of Kansas City called Overland Park, downtown Overland Park. So that's where I'm at
3: today. And how are things generally for you in Overland Park? How are things going?
1: Things are good. Um, Things are really good right now. I've had a lot of downtime here um, after... Um, a little bit of, or a lot of touring, I guess. And then a a lot of touring on the horizon. And so I've had this really nice downtime and usually when I'm in Kansas city, I'm only ever here for like a week or so. And then I go off to the next adventure, but I've had like three or so weeks, um, of real downtime here and it's been full fledged spring and just really beautiful. So I've been, I've been enjoying life. It's been very calm and sort of restorative and necessary before I go back out.
3: That's lovely to hear. Um, Did you have what you would call a breakthrough time with your last album? It feels like a lot happened, Jimmy Kimmel Live, these sorts of things. Was it a breakthrough album for you in some way? In a
1: way, in, in some way, for sure. You know, I feel like since it's my seventh record, I've had little tiny breakthroughs here and there throughout my career and I'd say there is something interesting about this last album where it feels almost like my first record in a strange way. It feels like if someone were to ask me um, what album they should start with, I would maybe point to this one just in that I feel like it encapsulates what I'm capable of or like kind of the whole catalog consolidated into one sort of. And yeah, uh, you know, the, the shows have gotten bigger and, the, and there was a, some TV opportunities, things like that, um, that I haven't had before. So it's been really great, but at the same time, it's not like I woke up and suddenly was just in a gold-plated mansion <laughs> or anything like that. And my career—it is funny because I could point to other records and other times where it's like, on that record, like I broke through in this way, and then with that one, I sort of broke through in this way, and then that one did nothing at all. But this is a photograph. Feels like a sort of well-rounded i'm ha- I'm happy with you know how it how it's gone and how it's going
3: when i evoke uh, television and you evoke television it suggests a mainstream breakthrough i don't even know what i mean by breakthrough because in our realm your realm in particular you count sometimes what some person uh, in a higher echelon might consider a modest success feels huge to, sure, so, to, sure. to, to you you know what i mean and and to me like i'd be like oh my god Kevin's on, uh, you know, and by the way, I don't think I've told you this. My daughter fell in love with your album and I had to learn this is a photograph on guitar and <laughs> we would sing it along at bedtime sometimes. It hasn't happened in That's a while. Amazing. I'm going to try to bring it back. That song, there's something about it and obviously we're going to get to that. It, it, it it's, 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 it's clearly resonates with you as its creator because you haven't really let it go in this capacity. Again, we should just dig into this because I, I think I'm talking about it in too convoluted a manner. Can you contextualize what this new volume is and how it relates to This is a Photograph?
1: Yes. Well, number one, you know, I just made this website called this is a photograph.com. On, on it, I I give a guitar tutorial on how to play the song. Oh, but It sounds like you just figured it out on your own, which is great. I watched
3: you on Jimmy Kimmel. I'm not a guitar player. I have, I'm just glancing at my guitar because I thought I had to show and prove, but I haven't actually played it in a while. I probably not playing it right. I'm notorious for not quite figuring out how to play a song. <laughs> I'm the same way. I mean, the <laughs> so, same exact. Someone way. will be like, yeah, that's not right. That's the wrong note. I'm like, no, it sounds right <laughs> to me. And I'm like, "Uh oh, am I tone deaf? I do the
1: exact same thing. In fact, I did that, uh, that podcast um, song exploder. Oh, you in, did? Yeah. in which I talk about this is a photograph and on it, I'm talking about how there's that silver juice song that sort of helped inspire the riff. We could be looking for the same thing. And in breaking that song down and talking about that, I realized that I had been playing that song wrong. (laughs) Um, so I'm the same, I'm the same way, but that's, what's good. You know, you put your own little flair on it, but, um, But to answer your question, you know, so with this record, it was the first time that I felt like in my career, I made a real um, effort to only make it 10 songs and like the best 10 songs and have be sort of all killer, no filler. And not to say, you know, my other records I took very seriously and I wanted them to be as good as they could possibly be. But there was a sort of attitude of, you know, well, let's just throw that song on there. Like I, you know, I didn't care if it was too long or too short and maybe there were some songs that I didn't think were, you know, as good as they could be, but I was fine with that because they helped create an overall, uh, vibe or, or whatever it was. Um, but with this one, I really made a, a, an effort to, to really seek out the best possible album I could make or the specific story I was trying to tell. I wanted to tell it in the best way possible. So I really felt like I did. I pounded the pavement and I did my research and I was really you know, I, I just try to, to to trim away all the fat off of the album. And there was kind of a lot of songs that got left behind. And for the first time, it number one, I was leaving songs behind for the first time. And number two, the songs that I was leaving behind, it didn't feel like they were necessarily in any way worse than yeah. the other songs. It yeah. just felt like, you know, um, sort of interchangeable with some of the other songs that made the record. So, you know, there's just some songs on this thing that I really love a lot, and I, I didn't want them to just sort of die and go into obscurity. And so I wanted to give them a sort of time and place, and I went in with Sam Cohen to sort of finish these songs. One of the songs, or I'm sorry, two of the songs we had started to record already during those initial sessions. And then a few of the other songs were songs that I'd taken in that we never got around to, mm-hmm. um, that we sort of made the decision pretty early on, like those won't go on the record. And, um, then there's, you know, this is a photograph too, which is sort of, it's not an alternate take. It's just sort of, it's an alternate reality of the original song. And it's something that I thought was really cool. And, um, it's almost like that could have been on the first record, but the other one made it, you know? So it a lot of things like that. And then there's three, um, sort of original takes of songs that did make the album, but sort of in their original form and sort of stripped back. So yeah. kind of the classic, those feel like, you know those are sort of the songs that sort of make it feel like an EP or something, but we were very intentional in not wanting to call it an EP. We're well, not wanting to call it anything. We kind of just wanted to sort of call it a continuum and people could do with, with that, what they wanted. You know, you could look at it as an album or an EP or a companion or whatever you want.
3: I realized that I think I inadvertently invoked both the words continuum and companion in the same sentence earlier. And I didn't even think of that, that that's in the title, more photographs, a continuum. Um, so that's yeah. clear <laughs> on some level. Um, I want to tell you that the new version of This is a Photograph was initially when it was played in the minivan that mm-hmm. I own with my wife. Uh, the children, I picked them up from school. We went to get my, my wife from work. And there was initially what I would describe as suspicion. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. This isn't <laughs> this is a photograph. This is what is this? Then the strings sure. came in and my mm-hmm. son... Lost his mind. He's like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" I'm like, he would not stop dancing. So you've done something there. This are you telling me that this could have been on the last record? You just decided the version that we know probably most at this point was the one you went with. Like, did this exist at that time?
1: It it's existed around that same time. Yeah, maybe it came a little bit after, but certainly, uh, you know, because we did like three different cycles of making the album uh. um, or sessions rather, and. It maybe came a little bit after the first session. You know, I found myself writing this song and I really liked the riff and then I was muttering lyrics from This is a Photograph and I was like, I think this is another huh. song that's just sort of the same thing, but way different. Um, also, it's very flattering about your son. Tell him thank you very much. Oh, it's will. very nice. I
3: will. Um, no, they, 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 You're a fan favorite. What? You know, you're a favorite in the house. You have fans <laughs> and you're one of their favorites. They like you. But no, it's it's, well, it's that's flattering. lovely to hear. It, that's interesting. It sounds to me like it almost happened to you. Like I you just started singing the same lyrics like you didn't could you not help yourself or did you just feel like you felt something there that there was a connection
1: I guess I yeah you know it's there were times where I was like well I like this riff and I already have a song using you know the bulk of these same lyrics and the same exact theme why don't I just you know use different lyrics and put this on another record it can be a whole new thing but I was like no I wanted to honor the fact that you know a lot of times when I'm writing music the first thing that comes out is you know, kind of first idea, best idea. I I, I tend to think and, and go by the those rules. But yeah, it just felt like, oh wow, this is this is neat. This is like uh this is the same song just seen from a different angle or something. Yeah. You know, obviously we didn't use it on the first record, but then getting to do it on this record, it was really fun because I feel like Sam and I, since we had tried so hard to make this other thing, we were proud of what we had made, now that we're sort of making this yeah, this sort of companion piece we were allowed ourselves to have a lot of like hilarious fun with it part of which uh or a great example would be the strings yeah you know sam played we just kind of mouthed out parts and he played them on guitar and we sent him to this this great player uh, his name's trey trey pollard he he's part of like the space bomb um record mm-hmm. label and mm-hmm. he did this huge uh you know he ranged these these strings with this orchestra and we're like, let's make this disco and fun and like almost kind of funny. Um, Let's just have fun with it, where if you're listening to this song, yeah, you could be a little confused. Like, this sounds like there's a photograph. And then suddenly that main riff comes in, but with a 16-piece orchestra. So we made it very extra, but it was very fun.
3: Yeah, there are some elements of humor here. I think the last time we spoke, we got into kind of the heavier aspects of this is a photograph, the album, based on the fact that it was set in Memphis primarily and the state of Tennessee, we're still in those locales, right? Here? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's all songs from that same brain for sure. Same
3: brain. So, uh, and it still gets a little heavy, even as you're paying tribute to people you love. And we can talk about those uh, instances in a moment, particularly, uh, when we talk about a song like Triumph. And I hope we can talk mm-hmm. about that in a moment. I don't know. There's parts of me, um, that think going to prom is sort of a bittersweet funny song. Is that does that seem like a humorous? Thing? No, that's that's <laughs> spot on. Yeah, yeah. Bittersweet funny song. It 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 certainly is. Yeah, cuz I've been I I keep having this, I don't know if it's the time we're in or I just keep thinking back to that time in my life and opportunities I missed or relationships I didn't explore or behavior and just a little bit of regret but also like pointless, I can't do anything about it. Sure. So anyway, sure. just when I when anyone of your vintage or mine starts thinking about high school <laughs> uh, yeah. there's got to be a level of I hope good humor not just mired in depression um, but, sure. but there's some there in that particular song where you're thinking about your past which is, again this is a running theme in all of these photograph motifs I would say of like what is this image saying about right. me and my life right. but, but you're trying to infuse some humor in as much as you possibly can on this one maybe
1: yeah I mean that's one of those songs where the humor is just built Into the title it's you know called going To prom and it's, it's just funny I remember when I showed uh, my girlfriend the 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 songs you know she looked at the Titles um, I was driving so I was like okay now the next one will be this going To prom put on going to prom and she laughed Out loud she said it's called going to prom yeah, That's funny and I was like yeah yeah, it's funny And you know that's another song that was Written around the same time as, as The the initial album where I just the motif of this is a photograph You know and I'm, I'm painting the scene of a mother showing her son a bunch of old photographs when it came time to make the record the first record you know i didn't want i was like i can't go overboard i can't i can't you know not every song can be about uh this is a photograph and so again it's another thing that i just felt the sort of courage to do on this other companion piece just sort of free to do whatever i want um it's funny my record oh my god i i uh one time I got into a Reddit thread where people are just talking. About, he says, oh, my God, too much. He, he, he kills the theme. And so, you know, this is sort of for or not for rather the, the haters uh, on Reddit, you know, <laughs> for, for the cowards, the cowards who can't take too much of a theme. Now, did you you actually went to your prom? I, I did go to my prom um, sophomore year. I went early because I went with an older woman. And um, oh, good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like an older student you mean or did
1: you <laughs> <laughs> she was a teacher no yeah she uh she was an older student she was a she was a senior she was just a friend but i did go i dropped out of high school my junior year oh but, okay and you know usually proms for the the kids in the junior or so, uh, senior year but i went with a friend who was a senior when i was a sophomore
3: i was your song prompted me to think about the fact that my high school my unrequited high school crush did ask me to go to prom with her i think we both had a little thing but I realized, I was like, what? Don't you have like a head boyfriend? And she basically admitted she wanted me to go with her to make him jealous. Like she said that to wow. me. Wow, you were a pawn. I was, you I'm like, why are you telling game. me this? I remember it because she was working at her job at the grocery store and she came up to me and she's like, can you, he's being a dick and I don't want to go with him. Can you go? I'm like, uh, okay. And she's like, and also it'll make him mad. I'm like, what? Doesn't he beat people up? And she's like, well, and I was like, what do you? So then I felt like, She was trying to get revenge on me. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, that's where... All I'm saying is people like me are going to hear a song like that and they're going to go back. You've done a thing. Sure. And I think you do that a lot. And and, uh, that's a lot of what's going on, I think, between these two records, right, is that revisiting our histories Mm -hmm. through these images and trying to figure out who we are now, that's kind of where where you're still at. Are you... Is that fair? Is that a fair way of assessing it?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And I also think, you know, with that song... I was trying to make something sort of sinister almost like there's this sort of creepy element but the creepy element's kind of funny cuz it's so on the nose or something yeah. and like there's something I guess eerie uh, uh, or like like basic eeriness or if that's a phrase that I could use like of someone who's like like a prom night you know like like there's something like it would be something you see in like a children's uh a scary movie or something like on the night of the prom. It was a foggy night or something. <laughs> I was trying to create that atmosphere, but also wanting to paint very mundane photos of like someone putting pinning a corsage on someone else in sort of a eerie light somehow. Um, huh. But also, also sort of funny and lighthearted. It's it's a funny song. It's a fun, but it. It will, it will make you think about prom. It's, it's right there. I like that it made you think about it prom. It absolutely
3: made me think, cause I didn't go. I decided not to get beat up. I didn't care. Really? Wow. I okay. didn't go. I just decided, not, I didn't go to dances. This is what I've been thinking about. I didn't do anything. I just was like, no, <laughs> I was like focused on music and whatever else and basketball, maybe. By the way, I'm sorry about your Memphis Grizzlies. I know you love them. I think you love them. That- it's,
1: it's, I was just reading about jaw right before, um, um Getting on this call and uh, yeah, it's it's wild. It's wild over there. I right
3: don't now. want to dwell too much on this because uh, I'm notorious for my tangents. But I, I also like to talk about basketball. Uh, sure, when, I, I'm, I was obsessed. fascinated by us talking about the Grizzlies because I think you you had just been to a game, I think, or something. Uh huh. And we were all amazing. And I was there with you. I was like, yeah, Jaw's amazing. Yeah. Now, I mean, after this playoffs and into the season, uh, end of the season, they became for me like the eighties Detroit Pistons where I, sure, my son has a jaw jersey and jaw this and the Grizzlies that. And I was with them until recently. And then they started shit talking people and starting fights. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I like them now. And people would always say, well, what about jaw? As we're speaking, for those who don't know, this fellow has been caught on camera brandishing a firearm, not once. It was suspended for eight games. Uh, Contrition, I am sorry, I went to counseling. As we're speaking, Kevin and I are speaking, happened again. His team gets eliminated from the playoffs, humiliating fashion. Trash talk LeBron James. Sorry, man. Yeah, the Dylan Brooks. What did you make of all? Yeah, Dylan Brooks, Canadian, a Canadian acting very un-Canadian, if I might say. Oh, yeah. He's from, wow, that is, yeah, he's, that's interesting. He's from not too far from where I grew up in Ontario. Let's just get into it real quick. Again, not really relative to this, but we're talking about youth and immaturity a little bit and people get sure. beat up. Maybe it's, maybe it is germane. What is your take on what's going on with your Grizzlies? I don't like it myself. What do I you mean, think?
1: I think it's a shame, you know, on a lot of different levels. I think they're sort of a beacon of hope for, you know, a city like Memphis. And I think Jaws sort of the face of all of that. And it's a shame. And I wish that he, he, he wasn't doing these things. But at the same time, I try to have sympathy because I, you know, I have referred to fame at a young age as a disease before, you know, yes. and usually talking about musicians. And um, I mean, a lot of the musicians, if we if we want to tie it into this is a photograph, a lot of what I'm talking about, you know, you want to talk about triumph and the the, the Chris Bell story yes. or the Jeff Buckley story. A lot of these people are young and they get famous. And I mean, Jaw is someone who I look at where I'm like, I hope he doesn't get in like real trouble where he, he he shoots himself or somebody else or something like that. You know, he's waving this gun around. But so I try to have sympathy there. With that said, it, it's it's super frustrating, you know, and it's it's one of those things where it's at this point, he's just sort of almost asking or it feels like begging to, to be kicked out of the league or suspended or something, yeah. you know, and yeah. you see all of the, you know, Shaq and, and, and Charles Barkley and these people say, you know, they were so upset when he did it the first time. And they're like, you know, we had, you can't, you can't surround yourself with yes people. You know, they're saying when they were young in their careers, that the big, less biggest lesson that they learned. And they're also candid about the fact that they're happy that there wasn't things like Instagram live. Um, of course, but you know, Jaws still going through all the motions of, you know, he's logging onto Instagram. He's, he's clicking live. Like these things don't effortlessly happen. You got to put some effort into them happening. But, I do think that it's it's funny and interesting, the Dylan Brooks thing. It's I almost like as like a case study that Jaw, you know, was was messing around with guns and, and strippers and 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 blowing fifty grand at strip clubs, and there's still some innocence in that. That like like I'm saying, like I I have the sympathy for him, and you can look at that and you could say I have sympathy for that, and there's some innocence, and I can forgive him. But Dylan Brooks. Called LeBron James Old and his life went into, into flames in a way where it
3: can't, no one can. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. It, it, I, I, when he actually got kicked off the team, I had a moment. Cause I, sorry, man, that is the first time in my entire life I was rooting for the Lakers to win a series. Sure, Do You know how sure. bad you have to. B to, to do that to me because I was like, yeah, crush these guys. I, I don't like it. It's almost like biblical it. what's
1: happened to Dylan Brooks and yeah. the fact that the Lakers were leaving him open and he wasn't hitting the shots. And then yeah. LeBron, you know, didn't shake their hands. It was just I, I can only think of the Omar Little quote from The Wire. You know, if you come to King, <laughs> you best not miss. And yes. <laughs> I also think that it's OK to shit talk as long as you own it. You know what I mean? Like, I think if Dylan Brooks gave post game interviews and he's like, "No, I still think he's old," or or if he apologized and was like, "Respect to LeBron," yeah, he chickened out. That's he right. chickened out, he and that's the try. worst thing you can do. And yeah. almost as an American, it's like I feel like the American narrative is like, you just can't chicken out. Like, it, it, like you can either own it, you can be Draymond Green and be like, "I stepped on his chest because I didn't know where else to step," you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and you can almost kind of be funny about it, but you can't. Yeah. You can't bail and sort of cower.
3: <laughs> but that's part of the gamesmanship. That's you're absolutely correct. That's part of the gamesmanship. You trash talk and at the end of the series you go out like an adult. Yes, exactly. You say, "Yeah, they beat us and we'll learn from that." You do all this stuff. It's a bit I know it's a bit of going through the motions, but that's that's what performative stuff is uh, yes. on some level. And you're right. He bailed. I think he gave some sort of statement in an exit interview, but Okay. I mean this is all kind of I, I I think this is germane because you are in the course of making these two records you are particularly obsessed with excellence and youth and lost opportunities. And Memphis. And this is And know. Memphis. So you've got we talked last time extensively about your uh, ability to kinda of narrate uh Jeff Buckley's last well Actually, I think you captured a lot of what happened in his life, in his very short life. On this record, I referenced a song called Triumph, which is about Chris Bell from Big Star, who uh, passed away. I I believe he's in the 27 Club. I believe Mm -hmm. he was 27 years old. Let's talk about this uh, in relation to what we talked about the last time, I suppose. The Jeff Buckley story was one... You used the word research earlier, and I think these are the kinds of stories you're probably talking about. Like... You're taking common knowledge and facts and trying to turn them into artful music and songs. But I think what we landed on last time is you as a young person, as a creative person, actually could really relate to Jeff Buckley. Um, not, I don't want to say his trajectory because I wish you a long and happy life. Mm-hmm. But I think you could relate to what he was trying to accomplish and the pressure he faced and how he was mostly a pretty obscure figure until... We lost them. Um, Big stars have sort of a similar situation. They they weren't celebrated as much in their time. It took the next generation to be like, holy shit! Right? Have you heard these records? Sorry. Is there a correlation between Buckley and what he represented to you and represents to you, and maybe what Chris Bell and Big Star uh, represent to you? Is there any connection between their their stories, so to speak? Absolutely.
1: And I, you know, being there, you know, now two years ago. Doing this sort of self-imposed writing retreat and sort of coming across these stories one by one, whether it was the Elvis story or, or Jeff Buckley or Chris Bell, it, they were all eerily similar. Or the Jay Retard in more recent times, you know, oh, right. where
3: yeah.
1: it just it's exactly kind of what you're saying, where it's it's almost all these people besides Elvis, obviously, but it's it's almost like these these stories that took the next generation to sort of like band uh, people who were very influential at the time. And, you know, sort of uh, spawned a lot of bands in their wake and they didn't kind of get their due until it's almost a little too late or the band was uh, was done or the, or the people passed away or whatever it was. And Chris Bell, yeah, his story's right in line. And that song, Triumph, that, that's honestly kind of the one that sort of led the way with knowing I wanted to go back into the studio with Sam and record, give these songs another shot or at least finish them because that was a song that I always sort of mourned the fact that it wasn't on the proper record. I really love that song. And, oh, okay. Um, I, I knew I wanted that to be heard And yeah, you know, his story is it, It's just another one of those Sort of eerie, strange deaths That took place with a musician Where it just felt sort of uh, I don't know, just strange and tragic and sad And, and before the person's time And, you know, the, the story there Is that he had left a practice um, As I understand it He had left a, his own rehearsal And he was in his, his Triumph vehicle And he crashed his car on the way home. And you know, there's, there's um, you know, people speculate that he was on pills or that he was inebriated in some way, but it also happened to be the eve of Alex Chilton's birthday, you know, his bandmate and big star, obviously. And so just all these sort of strange, mysterious things that are, I, I felt were this real thread between all these people I was researching. And then it just, it just sort of spawned this song. And, but that's very much in line with, you know, all the other things that I was sort of after. And when I was in Memphis, I was doing, you know, I, I visited Chris Bell's uh, tombstone. I went to the site of the, the crash and just those sorts of things. And they, you know, where the crash site is and where the river is, uh, you know, the, the the entry point of the river where Jeff Buckley died or where Jay Retard overdosed or where MLK was assassinated or where Elvis died is all only within a few miles of each other. And it's very fascinating.
3: Hmm. Just to pick up on what you were saying about Alex Chilton and Chris Bell, I believe Chris Bell's funeral actually took place on Alex Chilton's birthday then, wasn't it? Like the next day or
1: something. It was the next day, which always, that's strange to me as well that there's a funeral, you know, just the next day. But yes, I believe that that's the case.
3: I believe that's the case. So, okay. I appreciate your uh, fascination with these things. I appreciate that you're bringing them to a different audience. I suppose like these stories are in their own way. There are, some of them are mythological. They're legendary for music fans. Are you okay? Why are you mired? <laughs> I was trying to get at maybe your motivation for telling these stories. I appreciate it from a, a, a music fan point of view, but uh, you okay? like, are you okay? Is, is it starting to feel a little morbid for you or your friends? Like, hey, hey, easy on the stories about everyone dying young, Kevin. Did you get that from people? Um, I don't necessarily get it from um, people
1: as much as I'll, I'll think about myself, uh, you know, just – like, wow, I sing about death a lot. Like you do. I, like I that's what I'm record? getting at. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah. I I am good. I am yeah, I am okay. Thank you for asking. Um <laughs> I'm actually a pretty pretty, you know, happy person. I think when people meet me, they usually are a little surprised because they think I'm going to be a little bit more morbid, which, you know, you can't spell morbid without part of morbid. <laughs> um people are always reminding me. But, you know, I think that I just music is very therapeutic for me. And so I have to sort of get out, you know, whatever is on my mind and death is kind of sort of constantly on my mind. I, I, I've talked about this a lot. I probably talked about this with you. I had a friend pass away when I was 20, who was my best friend at the time. And yeah. that, I think that sort of, I don't know, opened the floodgates of just really viewing death in this whole other way. And since then, you know, I, I've, I've known plenty of friends to pass away, but and I've heard obviously a lot of other people talk about this, uh, you know, but it's, it's death is the one thing that we all have in common it's sort of what shapes our lives and there's times where i just can't it, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it and the only way of dealing with that sort of reality is i guess through music and so i end up singing about it a lot or writing about it a lot but in the case of memphis again i think it's like every all of these are just such fascinating stories you know well, yeah.
3: And a lot of those stories have to do with opportunity uh, presented and opportunity lost. And, and I think where I was coming from, by the way, I, I didn't mean to be too facetious about asking if you're okay. It's a legitimate question. No, but what I think also, what I was trying to get to in invoking the Grizzlies, Buckley, Chris Bell, like you seem, and this is a photograph of my father as a young man. This is a photograph mm-hmm. of my mother as a young person. Youth. I feel like youth is a recurring fixation for you. Sure. The notion of we kind of tie youth to opportunity. Whenever you hear about a tragedy and and young people are lost, I think people are mourning obviously those people, but they're mourning a future they didn't get to have because they were so young. Sure. And I think you're doing that a lot more of late. When you take and like I say you sing a song like going to prom and it brings me right back to my youth. And it makes me think about my youth is youth. The idea of being a young person in this world, whether you're John Morant, Chris Bell, whoever, and the navigation of that, of being a young person, trying to make your way into the world. Is that something maybe more than death, even that you're sort of pondering a lot more than you usually have?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I've always saying about youth, even when I was um, very youthful, <laughs> um, or when I was a part of the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the sacred community of the, of the youth,
3: um,
1: <laughs> that I've exited You're in young, You're still
3: a young man, by the way. I didn't mean to look at me. I'm no, like a no. gray hair guy talking to you. You're young. I'm just saying you anyway, I didn't mean but to I, cut you off yeah, but I
1: am 35 now, you know, I'm at the age now where I, I, I can remember seeing pictures of like David Berman or, you know, Will Oldham or something when I was actually young at when they were 35. And I'm like, oh, that's what an old person looks like. And like, they're so wise because they're old. And mm-hmm. now I'm 35 and I'm, I'm the ages of these photographs that I'd see when I was younger and they no longer look old to me. And in fact, a lot of them are, are younger in the photos, you know? Um, yes. You know, maybe yes. the, the photo of David Berman on the back of actual air he's probably 28 or 29. That used to look ancient to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. but even when I was young, like when I was in my band, the Babies you know, we had a song called "Got old is about getting old. And it was from the perspective of a person who was 33, you know, I was like, and, um,
3: Ah, and I'm now, so you have an interesting relationship with aging, with aging.
1: And yeah, absolutely. And I think just because just, I don't know, just interesting. I think the, the, the youthful thing, when I was younger I was always so reminded uh, by the fact that I was younger because I was in woods and and those guys were 10 years older than me all my best friends are 10 years older than me and I always sort of felt like the little brother and I felt very young in this way where I really I loved feeling that way and I've also loved aging and get a little bit older and now that I have a perspective and you know while researching these stories, researching Chris Bell, researching uh, Jeff Buckley, they were younger men than than I was. You know, at the time of researching it, at the time of this interview, and it's fascinating and tragic uh, to me to 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 understand that. I guess you know, with and you can really feel the weight of that when you grow past older than someone ever could have been. You know, Jeff Buckley doesn't know what it's like to be thirty five. You know, that's and he's forever thirty. And I, I guess what I'm getting at is just. Time is always shifting shapes, you know. It's 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 always something different from your perspective where you're at, and it used to mean something different, and it was really interesting to me then. And now it means it's something else, but that's just as interesting. And I feel like now I can look back at youth and and, and at someone John Morant's age at 23 and remember what that feels like. And but now I can also see, you know, uh, how quickly 50 years old will will be you know because yeah. i know that the passing of 15 years goes way quicker than i ever th- would have thought it would if if that makes sense it
3: does it does make sense um i think we've all we talked about this last time i'm pretty sure as i recall like that temporality is very confusing generally um it has uh-huh. sorry particularly since 2019 or the pandemic like it's just weird to try to even negotiate time right so i think we agreed the last time that maybe this weird temporal moment prompted you to look back a bit more than you usually have. And I think a lot of us, like I like I yeah. said, I'm having weird reflective memory. I'm just reflecting upon things that don't really matter to me. They shouldn't. Like, why am I thinking about high school? Um, sure. So it's, I don't know. Here's a thing I, I thought of uh, because your album's called More Photographs. And I don't mean to hit this too hard, but you've done it. You you You've landed on the photograph as a symbol. Uh, right. as a metaphor, rather, of right. what it means to exist and what how we live with our past and our present and our futures. As I'm speaking to you, I live in Alberta, and there's a state of emergency in my province because the wildfires are out of control. Fires, yeah. Did you hear about this?
1: I actually did an interview yesterday with somebody in uh, Vancouver, and she was telling me about it. Oh,
3: yeah, because it's spreading. It's there too. In, it's in British Columbia as well. But it's terrible. It is. Well, it's awful. And, and I took a photo today. I took a photograph today. Maybe I was inspired by, and I posted, I don't ever do that actually. Now I think about it. Jesus, that's weird. I knew I was talking to you. <laughs> I had photographs on the brain. I posted a photograph to Twitter. I don't normally do there that. I go. put them on the Instagram. <laughs> anyway, that's weird. Hey, Kevin, you're a magical being and I don't like it sometimes. It's creepy. <laughs> it's weird. Anyway, I take this photo and it's the sun shrouded in smoke and the sun looks like a little yellow burning ball. And it's just, we, yeah. I was like, huh. It's not supposed to rain. Why is it so overcast? Smoke. My point being, right. though, it hasn't quite hit us here in Edmonton, but it's close to you may have to evacuate. Right. And I've thought, where the hell would we even go? Among the things I thought about in packing were my photographs. Uh huh. Have you pondered the notion, because you've been so mired in photographs, at what it would mean to lose that archive? Because for you right now, it's proven to be artistic fodder, but that is, these little pieces of cardboard or whatever they are, are this weird chain to everything in our past, your parents, your family. Have you contemplated what it would mean to lose, and these days kids are like, I lost my hard drive. Not kids, adults. Kids don't have hard drives. (laughs) We lose things more often than we would, but it did occur to me that I might lose my photos right. of like Fugazi that I took in 1998 and that's it. They'd sure. just be gone. And anyway, sorry, that's just me. Have you thought about that? Like what it would mean to lose photographs in particular?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it's almost one of those things where I think more about the photographs that I have lost or something or the, the artifacts that I have lost. And cause I do have a big, multiple big bins of, um, of, of, of photos that i've taken over the years and i've been pretty good about consistently still taking photos that i get developed you know in know in, in, in hard copies so oh, I you have, go get I them the actual made
3: up oh, look at that that's I don't, yeah I, I think that's it, rare these days maybe
1: it is rare and I, but i've done it very consistently since i've been a teenager and it's something that i've always felt important for this exact reason you're talking about but the idea of them burning up in a fire or going away would be would be awful it would be terrible and you know i do have stuff like i have old tapes you know i mentioned my friend who passed away when I was 20 we I had multiple tapes of of me and him playing songs, just you know, little things, and I lost I lost those tapes, and I think oh, no. about those so all the time. And mm. so those sorts of things, I mean, it is just a reminder of how fragile material uh, belongings are. I guess you know where you're just like this is literally just a piece of paper that has you know a photo of my friend on it from you know 20 years ago um, or whatever it is, or it's a little uh, cassette that has you know little tape in it that somehow captures audio and you know it easily got tossed out with the garbage it's just those things are so fragile and yeah it's sad to think of 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 losing them i hope i hope that you know you guys don't have to evacuate and i hope you don't lose the photographs.
3: every day is a bit different and i've been told that we in the city are sort of i don't know people have sorry man <laughs> it's, i've i've it's very hard to believe that anyone knows what they're doing these days have, does that resonate with you of
1: course one hundred percent.
3: Because they they'll say like, "Well, the city is fortified." I, I'm like, "Do you know how fire works?" Like, I, right. that's I my don't think fire knows. I don't want to nice. be this doom and gloom guy, but I mean, if everything's on fire, people are evac. Like, tens of thousands of people throughout Alberta have had to evacuate. But there's where would mental- you go?
1: Do you know where you'd go?
3: I assume we would head eastward towards Saskatchewan, or as you may recall, I'm from Ontario, so it would be a considerable right. drive but yeah we would go there like west is on everything west is on fire They, my wife was telling me that hey southern alberta don't think you're off the hook it's heading your way soon too because it's dry and hot it's like sorry i don't know if you know celsius but it's like 30 well no today's cooler but it's been like 30 degrees in may it's been like mid-july weather in may so nothing is going well um Anyway, That's sorry. Crazy. I don't mean to do I'm fine. Like I'm we're having this chat and I'm every day the TV or the internet works. I'm like, okay, it seems to be sure. normal, but it's it's eerie if you look outside your window. But my point is that loss. I I just I, I thought about it. I think in you talking about the photographs you're talking about, it is a mix of memories you have, experiences you've had, and it's stuff that you weren't around for. Your parents right. and your family. That's a weird knot that photographs give us. Right. Like, if you look at a photo album, there you are. Someone took your photo when you were three years old, and you might have no recollection of that. It, right. It's very bizarre, and yet, for me, sometimes I think, "Oh yeah, I remember playing on the bed with that Trans Am," but then I'm like, "No, sure. I think I remember the photograph." Anyway, right. sorry. Yeah, that's Do you ever like? Thing. So I, I think with just stumbling upon. For me, it's just stumbling upon all these feelings from these couple of records you've made and what this medium means in a time where I say to my wife, like, everything is photographed now. Like, literally everything. I think we talked about this last time,
1: right? Everything's documented. It's really... It's so, so wild. And I'm so glad that I didn't... That things weren't as documented as they are now when I was, like, a teenager or something, you know? But but at the same time, I there's there's really great things about it. I hit this point in the pandemic where I was feeling very reflective. And I also think this has to do with getting into my thirties and sort of looking back in my twenties. And I was like, just some of the decisions I made or some of the things I did publicly, not that it was anything too crazy, but in my twenties I was like, wow, I really just, you know, with Twitter, like being able to voice every opinion and being able to like post every photo, you you do it without thinking about it. But sometimes when you look back, I was like, wow, I really put myself out there. And I remember having this almost like vertigo uh sense of feeling at some point in the pandemic, just because life felt so still and so undocumented, at least my own personal life. And I remember sort of looking back at everything and being like, wow, I'm like really naked out there in the world, you know, like I'm just on display in this strange way. And, I, you know, it's, it's the bet I made. I, I wanted to be this public person songwriter guy. But. It is wild how so much is documented nowadays, and and you almost can't even get a, get away from it. Even if you didn't want to be documented, you you could still very easily probably end up being so.
3: Well, you invoked Shaq and and Charles Barkley, sorry, Sir Charles Barkley earlier, and uh, and <laughs> their opinions about Jaw. Yep. And how, I think you said they felt lucky, right? There was an Instagram and Twitter, kind of what you were just saying. There's that aspect of things, but there's also like the compulsion to perform. Sure. Like it's not just that the things exist psychologically. Sure. He couldn't just be driving around in that jeep. Right. They had to do an IG live, right. and he had to pull out his gun again. Right. That's performative. It's very. And the other side of anyway, that's a weird. That's not. I don't know. When we were kids, or when I was a kid, most of the photographs I'm in are posed. Sure. It, it wasn't like I was the only one being like action shots, and my parents were like, "What are you doing?". That's right. not going to be a good photograph. I'm like, oh, I just want to be a journalist. I, uh, I have a feeling that that's what I'm going to do. No, no, no. We're doctors. We're lawyers. Uh-huh. Study hard. I'm like, anyway, sorry. I'm, just, I'm having a therapy session with you now. My <laughs> point is, they're all posed. And these days, it's not that as much on some level. No, what am I trying to say here? There's a lot of verite but the posing is just weirder there is posing that's there posturing posing, but i think yeah. like
1: like there things used to be framed in this sort of way cuz a lot of times when you look back at old photographs and I, I went through this a lot going through old family photos i'm like everyone seemed like a, a photographer because the, all these photos seem perfect or the composition You said that perfect. yeah
3: you said that last time yeah yeah yeah
1: but but i know what you're saying now cuz now it's so much more candid because it can be because it's we're taking thousands of photos at a time or whatever or, or video at all times so it's way more candid, but when the camera's on you, people still want to act in a way. Maybe in Jaws, uh, you know, experience he wants to act tough or whatever it is. And so, uh, but but yeah, we always have cameras on us, so we're always sort of performative, and it's a it's weird. It's it's definitely it's definitely strange. I just don't. It's a,
3: yeah, when you hear people say they don't engage with social media, isn't that a catch-all for saying I don't feel like performing in public sure. all the time? Like for sure. This because everything's this performative act or promotional act, and I'm—I don't know. I don't know about you. By the way, we haven't even talked about this since we're talking about it, and it's sort of germane. Twitter's imploding for real. Like, Yeah. Uh, how have you handled that? Have you reverted to other things? Are you among the people like me who have 50 other things that they never use? They just signed up? Uh, I—
1: You know, I, I still, I feel like my addiction, like my straight dope is, is Instagram and Twitter. I, you know, I've been on it for over 10 years, but for the past probably five years or something, I've been pretty, every once in a while I'll think of maybe something funny and I'll, I'll say, I think that's funny enough that I want to post it on Twitter. It's just something silly or, you know, but again, it's like the camera's on me. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of speaking in a voice. that's not actually mine. I'm trying to be funny or witty or whatever. But usually I just have my my management handle and it just, you know, post tour dates and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah. the other day I felt myself, I, I thought of something that I thought was funny and I was like, that would be a good tweet. I think I can knock it out of the park with that tweet. And then I, I didn't, I, con- I very consciously was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do it. Oh. Twitter's terrible. I don't want to be a part of it. You know, I can post my tour dates and stuff, but it's just such a crazy, I mean, the, the whole Elon thing, is, it's so wild. Yeah. and. I mean, any of these things now, you know, I open up Instagram. I don't, I'm looking at ads and I'm looking at all these reels that it's, it's spitting at me and it's, it's not, it's, it's a, it's curated by an algorithm of course. And it's just, I don't even know what I'm looking at. It's just, I've lost all sense of, you know, I don't see my friends posts. It's, it's so strange. Like,
3: what am I, this is so, it's all crumbling. It's all crumbling. And, uh, but I think for those people, and I have, I admire the people who say it to me on the show. Like I just don't do it. And I'm right. like, yeah, but it's a compulsion and I feel like I have to get the word out or whatever. But otherwise, I don't feel that interesting. So anyway, I just wanted to pick your brain about that because you're a, you're a young person and you're watching these things. For some people, they came up with these things. Like 10 years right. for you, you were in your mid-20s when this stuff yeah. kind of came about. So it's been a part of your formative life. It's been a big and part I, of my life. You know? I wonder what if you're going to go through withdrawal if it actually does shut down or we all move to even more like we're just going to get more fractured as we join blue sky or whatever the hell else there is going on. I
1: think about that a lot. I think about, you know, as much as I complain about these things, if, if Instagram were to go away tomorrow, I mean, it's still a big part of, you know, if anytime I post about a a, a tour or something, I sell X amount of tickets. Like it's, it really has a lot to do with my livelihood, whether I like it or not. And so that's a really interesting thing. And sometimes can seem scary though. I like to believe it's one of those things. It would be like saying like, you know, yeah, but if you take cigarettes away, you might not meet people outside of parties when you go to smoke yeah. cigarettes. But like, well, I'm just going to have to, we'll find another way, you know, to meet people then because it's such an unhealthy thing. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't, th- yeah, I don't think these places are bad inherently. I think they become bad and they become manipulative. And I just like, I, I think social media, there, there could be a good form of it, but it can't be with the algorithm. It can't be with the ads because that's where it starts to manipulate you. And it's a shame because like the MySpace days were ideal. It was great to to be able to go listen to people's music or the early days of Instagram, you know, and then it all just, it all got ruined.
3: Well, it's funny because people are talking about, uh, like, I feel like for like two weeks, everyone's like, oh, AI, chat GPT. This is going to be exciting. And then within like a week, people are like, no, someone can use this for bad, negative, nefarious purposes. Like almost every innovation is Upended by some crim- criminal <laughs> intent, <laughs> and yeah. so you're just like, Oh, why do we do anything anyway? Sorry, I don't mean to mire us in this, but it is. I think this is a photograph, is about a kind of technology that has last outlasted many technologies and now is in this mutant form. Where mm-hmm. we talked about this last time, uh, and I'll invoke it again. The old days, you get a roll of film, you got whatever, you got 16 shots, 24. You had twenty four opportunities to take a photo, uh, or thirty six, whatever the real was. That was it. So you didn't just be like blah right. blah blah, like just shooting everything. And I think that was probably f- good,
1: maybe. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> well, you were, you, you, yeah, you, you took into consideration what you were were capturing.
3: Yeah, and now it's, I don't know, I don't have a grand point. It's funny about. the
1: shit I take pictures of. It's it's t- it's. I take pictures of things all day long, I never look at them. exactly. Again, you know? So
3: I don't know what that means. you've you've I think, in this exercise, these two records in particular, I think you've done something you may not have intended to do, which was remind people of the specialness of that craft and the specialness of what you're actually holding on to. And that's why, honestly, when I thought about having to evacuate if we have to do that, would we grab all the photos? That was one of the weirdest impulses sure but it is the most irreplaceable everything i mean yeah i would miss my records i would miss my artwork and stuff but for some reason the photographs was my first right. thought so that's kevin i blame you i think you've got photographs <laughs> on my brain thank you i suppose I, don't, I shouldn't blame you i think you've done something wonderful here now i want to ask you a kind of oh, sorry you invoked your website earlier And we didn't dwell on it. This is a really interesting thing you've got going, I think. Can you talk about this a little bit in terms of the interactivity of this is a photograph and whatnot? Well,
1: yeah, it's a a website that we built um, that sort of you can get the stems to my song, this is a photograph. um, Or you can just download the instrumental version and make your own version. And it was just a sort of cool, interactive idea that we had because I had a few fans reach out to me last year sort of requesting, I think because the song is so personal and it's sort of this template to tell a story and anyone can tell a story about, you know, an old photograph or an old family member sort of inside of a photograph. And I had just a couple of requests and I, I found it interesting that a few different people were requesting the same exact thing, which is like, how do you play this song? Or or can you give us the instrumental to this song? I'd like to tell my own story. And I thought that was that was so neat. And we've never done anything like this before. So we just, you know, we wanted to create sort of a, A fun interactive website that people can that all it really does is just promote you know playing music which i think is a good thing
3: nice and and so again not to dwell on this this song for some reason i mean i know it's because it's great it's resonating with people in a way in a very personal way i I just want to commend you for that you must do you feel that a little bit like are you feeling that from the commentary you're getting from people I do. Yeah, thank you. I do. And it, it's one of those songs.
1: I, I am very proud of it. I am very proud of it and, and the concept and all of that. And it, it all honestly makes me like terrified. I'm like, what do I write next? You know, what do I write about next? This is, it's one of those things that I feel like I wrote about and I'm like, this is like everything that I've ever wanted to say or something like that. Oh, interesting. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, and there was room for expansion there or for, you know, sort of expanding its universe and stretching the universe, which has been really fun and, I think like anything that's relatable, it's relatable because it's it's sort of I'm trying to convey something to be relatable without using the word relatable, but it's like it's it's relatable because it's something that everyone can relate it's to. It's universal. You know? It's it's universal yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so I think everyone can look at it and think of you know this person singing about an old family photograph. I have those too, and they conjure up similar feelings.
3: Yeah, and for some of I don't know, I will tell you personally like I keep meaning to do this. Uh, go through my family's history with my parents as they get older and I want to document it because they come from India I really don't know anything about I didn't do the things that people do the ancestry or whatever but me, yeah other than some photographs I just never they didn't share very much it's got to be weird moving all the way across the world and starting a new life from scratch Big time, and, big and I time. don't know what their relationship with with their history really is. They go to India sometimes, or they used to, and they're actually I heard they're planning to go again. Anyway, I'm just saying you have planted a seed in so many people of pondering not only their past but what their family history might be, and mm-hmm. you know I think when you do that, you can't help but wonder how all of that informs who you are now, and it's not always easy to encounter that. Sure. So. But I think it's healthy. And I, I just want to say, again, I don't mean to, to keep going on about it, but I think you've done a really cool thing here because the songs are fucking catchy Thank as you, hell. <laughs> and, and it's just that it's, 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 you've made great music and it's got us all thinking and, and contemplating things. So you alluded to the fact that you don't know what to do next, but I do want to ask you if you have future plans or if you've been writing uh, since uh, you completed uh, this recent batch of songs. Is any Are you working on stuff?
1: I am yeah I have been writing and it's it's very you know early on I think the the trick for me now because covid as terrible as it was did create this sort of this this you know time stood still and I had no distractions with touring or anything like that and I was able to really dive into the project it's now up to me to sort of create that time and space so I've been writing but I've also been preoccupied because I've you know I'm I'm going on tour all the time and I have um I have a lot of touring ahead of me But next year, you know, I, so I feel like I'm harvesting all these ideas. I've got a few songs that I really love a lot, but I, I really want to create a time and place again to where I can sort of just shut the door and, you know, what, whether it's one month or four months have this time where I really dive in. And that's something I didn't do pre pandemic, you know, because everything was just done in sort of these small windows of time between, um, you know, touring or, or uh, releasing a record. And that's when I would try to make new albums. And now, you know, I want it to be a sort of all encompassing thing because I really, I, I love what I got out of doing that with *This is a photograph and really giving it my all. And, and part of that too, I think is now that I'm, I'm touring is, is really being there for these tours and really throwing my, my whole self into that. But yeah. with that said, I have a couple songs that I feel like are leading the way. And speaking of songs leading the way, you know, the song on, this Is a photograph or on more photographs that ends it, which is called kingdom of broken hearts. You know, that song, for whatever it's worth, in the beginning stages, like in in this stage now of whatever my next record is going to be, when I was in this stage of This is a Photograph, I wrote that song. I wrote that song. It's called Kingdom of Broken Hearts, and it had that riff, and I was so excited about that, and I was like, oh, my next record is going to be called a Kingdom of Broken Hearts, and this is going to be like the single. This is going to be like the main song, and then so much always changes through the trajectory of a record, and so obviously that song didn't make the album, and the album wasn't named after that song. But I wanted it to be heard, and so that's you know that's why it's closing out this this new project. But hmm. thinking of something like that because I wrote a song recently where I'm like, I think this is the title of my next record. I think this is going to kind of lead the way. And then I was like, but you know I got to remember that the you know, <laughs> but it's important to have those because they do pave some sort of avenue to get you to into the studio or to get you you know the brain thinking in a certain way, um, even if it doesn't end up being the thing. But I'm glad that here with. The more photographs I can still sort of show my audience those songs that you know help pave the way for this other thing.
3: Yeah, forgive my ignorance. Are you someone who still releases like physical singles with B sides, or is that uh, a long gone practice?
1: It's kind of a long gone practice, but I I'm I love when people do that, like a you know like a physical seven inch. You mean?
3: Yeah, I I often say this, and people have heard me say it ad nauseum. Like the alternate universe that is the pavement B side world. Uh-huh. Right, Where you're like, oh, these are from these sessions. These right. could just, I mean, they're often pretty wild, but I love those songs. I, I think I yeah. understand why they didn't make the records, but I love them. Uh, I just love them so much that I would make mixtapes of just their B-sides, you know what I mean? I only ask that because that is that used to be the repository for exi- of some of what I would argue more photographs is, that alternate universe of what the album you know the album right. but here's what else was kind of circulating so I just wondered I asked the question just wondering if you thought because you evoked an EP that's another thing people do uh, they'll say well mm-hmm. it didn't make it we'll, we'll just shove them all on an EP But you took it in a different direction and I'm very happy you did I guess that's the only reason I asked I just wondered if you ever thought okay these are the B-sides for real like they're going to be on the B-side of a single
1: um, I, I have thought that before. And you know, I do have, I do have some seven inches, some singles out, um, yeah. th- throughout my career. And my, I think arguably my biggest song, a song called Beautiful Strangers, was, we had a physical seven inch of and it was never on a record. Yeah, there you um, go. Um, but I do love those things and I hope that they're not a lost art. I think in the age of streaming, it's kind of cool because you can have it almost both ways because, having new songs on your streaming platform is never going to hurt you. You know, it's like, that's what they want. They want you to keep throwing yeah, coals yeah. onto your fire or whatever. Yeah. So I think it's cool in that way. And then I think, you know, also having the sort of physical, um, element to, to, it as well is is, is really cool and that me as a fan of music and as a fan of, you know, a lot of the same songwriters as you, those moments, like the, the, the sort of between the lines songs are a lot of the times my favorite songs.
3: Absolutely. And I, only recently in the last couple of years collected all of the silver juice stuff. I was missing. I had most of it, but I was always missing a couple of things. And so I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I know we have a shared uh, affinity for that before we wrap up. Um, you do have, one of the things I admire about you is you tend to write conceptually. I hope that's clear from anyone listening to this conversation about this photographs motif. Um, I don't want you to give too much away. It sounds like it's early goings for you. You have a song or two that's leading the way, but are you of a mind that you're into a concept with the next batch of songs already, or are you just going with the flow at this point?
1: There's a loose concept. There's a loose concept. That's just I the way you are.
3: That's the way you operate. I feel like you're, is this for you to organize your thoughts? Like for you as a writer? It's that, but it, it it's almost more as it's just,
1: it, it's, and I've described this before, but it's like when it comes to a concept with me, it's a way of telling a story, but I don't, it's almost like I don't know that the concept I don't I don't set out and say like I'm gonna write a record about grass. You know what I mean? Like No no I, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. But but <laughs> I'll write a few songs and I'll I'll notice I'll be like it, it's like it's subconsciously telling me I'll be like, oh, you know, I've weirdly I've written a, a few new songs and like two two or three of them mention grass. Like what's up with that? And then suddenly I'm like, I think the next record's gonna be called Grass. And <laughs> once I know that, then I can play to it. Then I can start writing yes. sort of towards it or throw in, you know, little tidbits about, you know, in this hypothetical um universe, grass. But so it's it's always more like my songs are trying to tell me something and then once I realize it, like, oh my God, the theme is this. Um, and so there's something like that happening with, with these new songs I've been writing mm. for sure. And I have often thought about, you know, what if I just wrote songs just for the song's sake and then compiled the 10 best. And you know, it's, it's like a Tom Petty record or something where it's just, you know, just 10 jammers. They don't have to be tied to each other in any way. Maybe that'll happen at some point, but for now, I, I really like the sort of, uh, you know, you discover a theme and then you can really lean into the theme. And for me, it's, it's, it's part of the fun because it's, it's, I don't know. I like themes. I like when going to a themed photo show or a themed, you know, you see a painter and it's all the paintings they did while living uh, somewhere. Like I like when things are themed because you can get inside that world. And me as an artist, it's like the album art and the what I wear on stage or, you know, stage props or the music videos that can all sort of be within that thing. And I find that really exciting.
3: I, I I also appreciate your acceptance of the fact that you seem to occupy a conscious and unconscious artistic plane things are happening to you you're bringing them into existence it's all happening at the same in the same way is that a fair way of putting it
1: yeah for sure you know I'm a big Nick K fan and I was reading his book of uh, his did you read this book uh the, the interview book hope love incarnate hope faith yeah Incarnage? I have
3: it I have it it was sent to me but I haven't actually I'm worried about reading it because it gets into the tragedy of losing his son right yeah Yeah. and I'm just uh, I could see as a parent as much as I might have a negative bias I would have trouble reading that um, as a dad maybe and as a human but uh, sorry uh, please continue I again Kevin Morby spurring Vish to think about things and do things (laughs) I will pick it up because I've been looking for a new book to read or uh, uh, new to me what were you going to say about it
1: well he just talks a lot about his creative process and he he says this thing that I really relate to and you know he, he put into words you know maybe better than I could, but he says this thing about you can write all all the time and then, and and think you're getting nowhere, but then um, all of a sudden certain words start to like lift themselves off the page. And I really agree with that, you know, where, and that's where I usually find my themes is like, Oh wow, this, this one thing just keeps coming up. Um, And again, once I sort of discover that I, I can play to it, but I like the way of putting that where, yeah, the, the, they start to sort of raise their hand and, you know, say, look over here and, it's a cool part about.
3: No, humans. that's great. No, I, again, I just appreciate you, and I appreciate what you've been doing, and I always appreciate you making time for me. So, thanks. I know it goes all over the place, but I hope it was fun.
1: <laughs> oh, this is great. I, I I appreciate you as well, Vish. and I love the, um, I, I love that we that that we went off about the Grizzlies, and I think you know another thing I was going to say <laughs> about. Uh, we're just in and on the Grizzlies. I I'm just imagining someone who doesn't listen to any or know anything about the NBA listening to this interview, but maybe they'll learn we'll learn. I
3: talk about it enough. Uh, right. I, I do talk about it here and there when, when I have willing participants. So it's not gonna be that shocking,
1: but I'm also imagining like the niche, like the person who loves you and loves me and loves the NBA. Just thinking, yeah. wow, this is just for me. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's all very interesting and what's, what's happening with the Grizzlies. And I think, you know, with that city, it's such a violent city. It's a shame that this is, you know, the NBA player who can't help but wave his gun around is, you know, the sort of face of that city. And that could really do without that. Yeah, I've but heard that it's, narrative it's as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think in terms of um, growing older and the youth, just the one thing you don't do is ever call LeBron James old. <laughs> Let's. If
3: we leave anyone with any wise messages today, just yes. don't poke that particular bear. That is a mistake. Bear, bear. Uh, so, no, I appreciate that. Okay, uh, a little bit of uh, housekeeping. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to pick a song from the new record for us to go out on. Uh, we've talked about social media stuff and how it's collapsing. Kevin, if people want to learn more about you and the, this, this is a photograph project and anything else, are there websites or links you want to share at this point?
1: You know I would encourage them to go to my new website this is a photograph.com.
3: Okay, that's that's got it that's got almost everything they would need I would think. Yeah uh, or
1: kevinmorby.com that's got my tour dates and stuff. <laughs> yeah. All, all things all I'll, things me.
3: I asked the awkward question. I will link to these things obviously in the show notes but I like to ask people cuz some, sometimes you learn that someone destroyed their TikTok because of something and I'm like oh I, I just like to learn things when I ask these technical oh, sure. questions. Yeah. now if we can go out on a song uh, from uh, more photographs, uh, a continuum, can you choose one for us and let us know why it came to mind?
1: You know let's just do let's just do this is a photograph too because um, because your son liked it so much in the car.
3: I just want to tell you that that's a fine choice. This is a photograph too is fine. We like sequels. <laughs> it's good. A uh, song for Katie, in particular, gets to me. These are very mm. lovely songs on this record, and uh, I just want to say I'm moved by that. I'm not... It's not to veto you. I'm just saying I really enjoy that one.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah,
3: it's a lovely one. But in any case, people can dig into the record themselves and find that song and other great ones. But right now, this is the opening uh, track off of More Photographs, a continuum. This is this is a photograph, two Kevin Morby, a uh, big fan. Thank you for being back on the show. And uh, it's always a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed yourself and best of luck in the future. Thanks, being, Feelings mutual. see you next time.
0: This is a photograph, a dark horse from your past galloping back, open up your mouth and laugh at all. The- ugly people living in a photograph if you go reaching for your past make sure your grip is ironclad open up your mouth don't laugh father in the West Texas dirt. This is your mother and in a skirt. This is time as it's starting to flow with the abyss now. Give me a kiss now. This is a clipper ship. This is its sail. This is the halt empty, but can we make it? This is us standing here naked. This is the siren that sounds after a war. This is the sky with
2: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: Oh, it's great to have Kevin Morby on this show. I believe this might be his third appearance on this podcast, this time for episode 779 of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and uh, available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook. You can follow the show for now on Twitter at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this donor-driven podcast. $6 American or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, I still have some in stock, so just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one just as soon as humanly possible, to paraphrase Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Thanks again to the wonderful uh, Alberta record retailer blackbird music which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca you can order things from from their website so check that out i also want to thank pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planet bean coffee in guelph ontario and granddad's donuts in hamilton ontario for their in-kind support for this show as always thanks to my dear friend jim guthrie he loans me some music of his on this uh, for the show sometimes and you can learn more about jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Kevin. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll check out more photographs, a continuum. And if you haven't already, uh, listen to This is a Photograph as well. Two wonderful albums. It's got a whole catalog of great records, actually. And also, I, I hope you'll consider subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends about it. Spreading the word about creative control It means a lot. Otherwise, I got to go. I hope you're well. Keep well. We'll talk soon in this way, I think. We'll see. Thank you. Bye for now.